following presentation from the Utah Open Source Conference held August 28th through 30th, 2008 is underwritten by Mosey. Founded in 2005, Mosey Incorporated is a software company focused on making simple things simple and complex things possible. Mosey Incorporated, located in American Fork, Utah, is an EMC company. Visit their site at mosey.com. Streaming and podcast hosting bandwidth for this and many other presentations at podcast.utos.org has been provided by Tier 4. The presentation entitled The Dark Art of Auto Tools was given by John Jolly. Welcome everyone. The title of this presentation is The Dark Art of Auto Tools. It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker, John Jolly. John has been programming for 25 years, 15 of those years professionally. He's been working with open source software for more than a decade and currently is a member of the Nobel SUSE server architecture team, specifically responsible for IBM Z-series kernel and crypto drivers, along with InfiniBand drivers for Intel and power architectures. This room is sponsored by Nobel's Open Source Technology Center. Please visit the OSTC information booth in the Expo Hall. At this time, I'd like to turn the time over to our speaker, John Jolly. Do I have this on right? Can you hear me? Should I get it closer? That's good? Good. I'm glad somebody agrees. Okay. Thank you very much for attending. I, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that when they were planning rooms, uh, scheduling rooms, they're thinking auto tools. Who the heck wants to hear about auto tools? We'll give them the sparse one. But I'm glad to see so many people here. Um, yeah, we're going to talk. I'm just going to get right into this. There's a wonderful introduction. I appreciate that, David. One of the, some of the things we're going to cover is we're going to cover some of the problems you have with portability. This is really prevalent in the open source community as you never know the type of architectures you're building on. We're also going to talk about what tools are available to help us get around that por those portability issues, proper usage of the tools, setting up the tools for a new project and using the tools on a mature project. Now, one of the benefits of attending this is you get to watch me walk the high wire. This is not just simply going to be a presentation. I'm actually going to do this with you watching. And I promise I won't crash and burn. I've tried this before. I think I can do this. So one of the problems we have with writing source code is when you write it for your particular platform, maybe you're on the Intel. You write it on your Intel platform. You're familiar with the architecture. You're familiar with what it does. Um, but whenever you get this source code, whenever you f take this source code, put it into a package, and send it out to somebody else, suddenly you have other people doing other things. Usually, sometimes you end up in the compiling. You have different function names that you have to worry about. Uh, some libraries have one particular function name. Um, other, it may have others, different prototypes, different header files, like string. Is it string or is it strings.h? There are platforms that do strings. Uh, BSD uses index function instead of uh, strcopy. Strcopy, 
Some platforms use bcopy instead of stircopy. Which one is it? So you get these bug reports after a while, and you start fixing them onesies, twosies. You start looking like this, with if defs all over that don't make much sense. This code just becomes a monster night nightmare. You have Endian issues eventually. There's lots of things you've got to worry about. When you go from the Intel platform to the Power platform, uh, you run into this. One of the architectures I work on primarily is the IBM Z series, which is power-based. And you run into numerous issues. That's probably the primary thing you have to deal with if you're porting something from Intel to, that, to, to the power. So you end up with lots of pound, pound if and pound else, lots of defined macros. You end up with multiple build environments. And this has always been nightmarish in any development. You end up with, well, you run this build script to build it for this platform. But there's another build script in another directory. It's very easy to complicate the build process. Now, mind you, I'm also I'm, I'm coming at this. One of my primary responsibilities is a packager of software for SUSE. There's, I, I work on the kernel. I do a lot of kernel builds. But I also do several packages where upstream their source is written. I simply take that source, make sure it works, in a, a, that it builds properly. We package up the binary so that you can download it from a repository or have it on a CD. If that build process is very complicated, the spec file that I use to create an RPM becomes unmanageable, becomes huge and unwieldy. And I throw my hands up in frustration and tend to rewrite the whole build process just so I can make it work easier for me. Okay, so again, this we the customer wants to build the binaries themselves sometimes. This is very common in the open source world. Raise your hand if you've ever gone through the uh, config, make, make, install process. See. If you're in open source, that's practically a requirement. You have to know those three steps. But luckily, we only have those three steps. It could be a lot worse. And you need to make sure maybe they don't have your build environment. I have my specially crafted build environment. Works very well for me. But does everybody else have mine? Not likely. You have to test for that. Maybe they, have, they lack the access rights to actually install the software on the system. And what if they're building on a platform you didn't expect? What if they finally realize, well, you know, I'd love to run SystemTap on the ARM. <laughs> you have to be prepared for those things. And, that's one, and th so this is what's expected by the user. User is expecting one compressed file, one directory to build within. You can't have multiples spread all over. One method to configure your build. One command to perform the build and one command to install. And no errors. Ever. Yeah. OK. Well, a set of tools has been created that will help you accomplish this. The problem becomes learning the tool or the set of tools. And I'm going to talk about those tools. I'm going to talk about the order that they need to be used. And I'm going to show you some ways that this can easily be simplified uh, to make your job easier. Uh, 
Autoscan, AC Local, LibTool, and Autocomp, um, those are part, well actually, yeah, all of these. Automake is actually part of its own. Almost everything else you see here is part of the um, auto tools, except for LibTool, which helps us build uh, um, dynamic libraries, and then the Automake, which actually is different from configure. And I'll explain where that difference is and how that works. Okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Autoscan. Now, Autoscan's an interesting little tool. What it does is it searches what you already have and tries to determine if you have anything useful of what it can build, its, uh, build for its files. All right. Come on, there we go. So, I'm going to go ahead and uncompress the end time tarball there. End time is a very simple little project. It has a source directory. So it starts, it has a make file, a source directory, and a few source files. Now this is a very simple little program. All it's going to do is use end curses to put a clock up there. It doesn't even do proper formatting on the clock. But I should, from this directory with the make file, be able to just run type make. It builds it. And there's my binary. So let's run it. Ooh, ah. Again, this is not a complicated program. I press Q and the clock ends because it's using... Uh, so, the question becomes, what can I do to make this work for me? And also, uh, the make file also has make clean so that it gets rid of... You know what? Can everybody read this or do I need to increase the font? Is it okay? Uh, just making sure. Real simple make file. And you think, this is great. I can send it out like this, right? Does this make file check for end curses? Does it verify that everything is in place? What happens if I don't have the end curses library? What kind of error will the user get? They'll get something really crazy like, don't know where sc what sc uh, it is, and sorry, I'm going to fail you. And so there's no description here. Well, the first tool that I explained here was Autoscan. Just running Autoscan creates two files for you. The two files it creates here is the Autoscan log and the configure.scan. The configure.scan is the most important file here. You can obviously tell the Autoscan log did a whole heck of a lot. It's not a too terribly important file for this. The configure.scan is, is the interesting one, though, and we're going to go into that one. This is what it generated for my autoconf. Now, this is the first step. Now, again, I want you to understand there is a significant difference between autoconf and automake. Autoconf is just configuring to make sure everything is in place. It does nothing with the make files per se. It doesn't really generate fun make files for you. Autoconf in conjunction with Automake does a lot. Right now, this is just an Autoconf file. 
There's nothing about me. The only thing you see about a make file in here is down off the bottom where it says config files make file. And that does not do anything in this particular context. So let's explain a little bit about what this file what this file really means. And I'm going to go through several of these. So we start out with the prerequisite. You can specify what the minimum version of the autoconf is that you're running against. We leave that one alone. We then come to an AC init line. Now this line is important uh, for the autoconf to make sure that uh, certain labels are set properly. Now let me explain something about the autoconf system. Everything in here is, an, is uh, created through the M4 macro language. The M4 macro language is really simpler than you think. All it does is replace words and put in other text. It's like an entire language of pound defines. It's what it, the M4 macro language is. When you look at this, when you look at the AC init, realize that it's going to replace it with a whole other section of text for you. And what it's doing is eventually creating a script file for you called configure. This will insert a lot of bash script for you in the long run. But for you right now, all you need to know are the three different parameters. Everything in here is, is text. There really is no such thing as type within the M4 macro language. But something you have to understand also is that it's very important to uh, quote things. And the quote character in M4 is the square bracket. This leads to a problem. If you want, you can add actual, you can add lines in here that will be inserted into your configure script, just as if it were, ba uh, like it were bash lines. But what is the square brackets used for in bash? It's the test. It's what actually uh, tests a condition for you. So if you're using the test macro, you're, tr you're actually, uh, yeah, you're using the test macro to put those things in, it's going to consi consider it as quoted text and treat it considerably different. Uh, so be, be aware of that. It does not use just regular single quotes. So in, in this particular context, you cannot use square brackets to do a bash test. But there are other options. What are the other options? You can actually use the test command line. That really is all the square bracket is, is an alias to test. And it will go ahead and take, and you can do your conditions if necessary. There are three parameters here. The name of the particular function, the package name, the version of it, and then the author. Very simple. Now, in my particular package, um, Autoscan actually puts in uh, place markers for me. So I can come in here and delete those. Uh, actually, I think it's up to three now. And I always like to quote.
Okay. This next line is not in the auto scan. This is where your configure and your auto make uh, meet. The auto make and it auto make. I'm not going to talk about that right now. I will talk about it in a few moments. We're going to skip over that line. It is something you need to add. So really, that's the only line you need to know to make this work properly. Um, config Sourcester, all it's really doing is providing a file for a sanity check. Are all my files there? It's going to use one file to check against. And for me, it picked, uh, I think it was Ntime UI is, is the one it chose. Yeah, source Ntime UI. Uh, config header. Now, the config header is not a file that's actually in my system. One of the things that the configure script does for you is it creates a header file. Now, you've run configure scripts. Most of you have run configure scripts before. The configure script flies by with a lot of information. You see things such as GCC version, and GCC uses this, and this header is available, and this particular function is not available. All of that information gets put in as pound defines within the config.h. So all that really needs to happen is your source code needs to include config.h and then check for these pound defines. And that will tell you what platform you're on, uh, what capabilities exist, what capabilities don't exist. You can determine if a library is there and build differently, whatever you need to do. But that's what the, that's what the config header is. Config header align just specifies what is the file name for the configure header. Now, this next section, that, that's really the header, um, the header of our configure AC file. This sec second part here is where we check for what programs exist, and there's lots of checks. This is actually one of the most confusing parts of um, auto tools for most people is trying to find what macro they want to use to check for a particular program. I've listed a few of them here. This one, obviously, is checking just for a C compiler. This is checking for C++, Fortran. You can check for Ocarset. There's actually a special macro called CheckProg. The CheckProg macro takes some parameters. All these other ones do not take parameters. They simply look for the executable um, and get something that works. AC check prod, though, takes some parameters. You can specify a particular executable you want to make sure it's present. So if the macro doesn't exist, you can create your own. That way that program can be found. And again, each of these macros, when you insert, will, it will create a variable with the proper executable main. So is it CC? Is it GCC? Is it C++? It will, it will identify it through a particular macro variable that you can use in your make files, you can use in your programs, whatever you want to do. Now, I also include with this slide deck, um, which is on the Utah Open Source, just go to my, um, just go to this particular uh, class entry. And the slides are there, so you can download this. At the end of this slide, it actually shows uh, several links. One of those links actually contains a very comprehensive uh, list of these macros, of those particular test macros. Checklib 
is the next one that you're going to need to modify. We've only modified our file once at this point. We, we modified it to make sure that AC init was set properly. Checklibs is the next one. This is where you're actually checking to see if particular libraries exist inside the system. Let's go back to... And it's nice enough to actually say you need to fix these things. Replace main with a function in ln curses. So main is not a function in ncurses. But it should be relatively easy for me to find something. If I go to... Ah, heck, let's edit... Um, It really doesn't matter which function it is. It should, be, uh, other than it should be a function that's in in the particular version that you want to make sure exists. Honestly, we're not interested in anything. But uh, let's just choose. Where is it? Um, yeah, in this screen. That's one of the functions that we use. That's usually the best choice, is to find one of the functions used from that library that you're using in your source code and put it in there. And all you have to do is put the function name in there. So I'm going to put in. And it's green. And, the more, and you'll just do this one for each library. But Autoscan was nice enough to automatically detect which libraries I was using based on my make file. These other things, so this actually came from my make file, this came from my make file, this actually came from my source code. So it's reading all of the different parts of my source that exist and trying to find what's necessary. Well, let's go back to... So check for whatever libraries. There's other, um, you can add your own lines here to check for whatever libraries you need. But checking for header files is also important. Probably the most common ones, you will check. there are macros already created, like header standard C, which will check for um, standard I.O., things like that. Other headers you need to look for specifically, like the ncurses.h. Standard lib is actually one, if you want to double check, you can check for through here. This will verify whether a header exists or not. It will not fail if it does not find the header file. It will simply ma make a mark inside that config.h saying, yes, that header file exists, or no, it did not exist. And you need to uh, respond appropriately. So put all the header files that you would check for. Don't worry about particular header file, failure, uh, file failures. It's not that important. All you're doing is checking to see if the header file exists, and then using the config.h to uh, work with that. There's also macros for checking for particular structures. Uh, in this case, uh, common one, if you're using the uh, tm, the struct tm, uh, it's usually found within time.h, but sometimes it's... Uh, um, yeah, it's not included within time.h. It's actually included in sys timeh. And so a macro will be defined, tm in sys time. You can specify a different header to find your tm uh, structure. 
So in my code, what I would do is I'd say, if def tm and sys time, pound include sys slash time. Pound else include time.h. And there is a lot of different for, for different type depths and structures. Um, different library functions that may exist within the system. Um, in this case, uh, the AC type signal uh, finds correct signal, uh, correct signal return type. The si uh, signal function actually has different return types depending on the platform you're building on. BSD, I believe, signal uh, returns a value, whereas on Linux it does not. And so this will allow you to, it, it will actually define a return value to this macro. And all I have to do is say ret sig type in your source code. And again, that will be defined within the config.h. And then finally, these last two lines, this is what closes off your autoconf here. And we'll see all this go uh, right here shortly. The config files is a list of files that will be generated by, conf by the configure script. So when you run the configure script, certain files will be created. And these specify which files are going to be created. In this case, a make file and a make file in the source directory. Now, for the initial configure AC, it doesn't do anything but simply create a, and just copy the make file. It doesn't do anything miraculous. I'm not using any of the macros inside my make file. Using automake, though, automake will create make files uh, that I can use. And it will create very simple ones. AC output should be the last line in your config, uh, in this configure file. AC output basically tells the macro system, generate the, uh, the rest of the, uh, the configure script. This must be the last line in your, in your uh, file. Okay. So coming back here. So some of these other tools that are used, uh, and we'll, we'll be going through these uh, pretty shortly. AC local actually will take certain files from your system that you've installed, either through RPM or through Debian uh, package files, whatever. It will take some of those M4 macros and put them local to your directory. Uh, LibToolize is an important tool for creating dynamic libraries. It, cre it, it also creates several files that are necessary for the build process to create these files. And then there's the autoconf, which will take that file we just saw and generate configure for us. Now, I'm throwing these tools at you, and I'm not giving you any order to them. Is that rude of me or what? We get that. I'm going to do the um, init automake here. I skipped over that, but I need to add this. So autoscan actually does not create this. The th um, what you need to do is put in the options that will be passed to the automake utility. All right. I am going to put this line in. Generally, you put it up here in your header, but it doesn't really matter as long as you put it before that last, those last two lines. So configure headers. 
This one starts with AM instead of AC. AC obviously start, is standing for autoconf, for that is the macro system it comes from. AM standing for automake. Every system that uses, that creates M4 macros for the configure, and different systems can create different macros, will generally have a different set of initials to start out with. You, you, there should be some documentation depending on the system you're working with. And then automake. And again, what this does is take several options. The most common are uh, WR, WR, and foreign. Those two are options to um, error on warnings and make everything uh, make everything an error, basically. So, and the foreign, the foreign option, what that does is it says this is not a GNU <coughs> authorized package. It does not have all the GNU files in it. Without this foreign option in here, this foreign option would actually um, cause the automake tool to, uh, to halt with an error because it can't find things like uh, README and uh, changelog and yeah, the files that most that people expect to be in there. My, my file didn't have that. If I wanted to be a, a good citizen, of course, I would take out foreign and then just follow the error codes. But in this case, I'm going to leave it in there to make it to simplify things for me. Okay. One other thing I'm going to put in here is or not make file I am, I'm sorry. Source make file. So again, there's going to be two different files generated for me. My original package only had one make file. That was in the root directory. Well, what I'm going to do is create another, I'm going to create a make file in the root directory, but also create a make file in the source directory. You will do this with the package with a, uh, when you properly auto-tool a package. It's better to have make files all through it. I'm going to save this. Okay. I'm not quite done with this, though, yet. Because I put in the am init automake, this is now expecting a different file. Really, for autoconf, this file that I just, that I just edited, the configure.scan, is all I need. It needs to be called configure.ac, though. Move, configure, configure AC. There we go. It needs to be called configure.ac, standing for autoconf. That's the only file I need to create my whole configure script. I'm done with auto, with auto tools. Now I need to step into the world of automake and create the proper automake files. Believe it or not, automake in this case is simpler than autoconf. Okay, automake, auto uh, so we need simple automake AM files to create complex makefile.ins. What will happen is, these make what it, the makefile AMs that we create now, that automake will turn into these makefile.ins, these makefile.ins will be used by autoconf. 
to create your file make files. So make file generates files that will be used by, I mean automake will generate files that will be used by autoconf. Okay. And these files are wonderfully simple. In the case of the root directory, since I'm not building any source code in there, all I need to do for those automake files is say, these are the subdirectories I need you to go in, to, to recurse into and build. One line. That's all my automake AM should have at the root. Subders equals the dot so that it will build anything local. I don't need the dot since I don't, I'm not building anything local, but the dot, I put the dot in there anyway as tradition. And then the source directory. And what it will do is recurse into the source directory, build anything that's in there, and then come back out. So I'm going to create that file nice and quickly here. Make file.am. Subders equals dot and source. Now the order that these are added here is important. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Yeah, the order the order those exist are very important. If I put the dot after the after the directory source, it will actually recurse into source first, exit out of source, and then try to build anything that it that you specified in the local directory. When I show you the back, how much time am I running? I've got about a half hour. Okay, I might be able to get to it. I'll show you a pretty complicated package where you're recursing into a source directory, then recursing into library directories, and then into tool directories. It's convoluted. But the subders makes it very easy to specify the order that they're built in. But that's a good question. I appreciate that. That's it. That's what that make file am should contain. So I'm going to go into my source directory. I'm going to create another make file am. It depends. I yes, that would probably be the best way. In the project I'm going to show a little bit later, there are three directories in the subdirect in the source directory. Two of them are library sets of library routines that are associated with the dynamic library that have to be built first. But the third directory actually depends on the library that's built by the root directory. And so I have the two libraries, a dot, and then the tools directory. So it varies depending on project. Really, the dot placement for this particular project is about useless. I don't even need to include the dot. I just include it for tradition's sake. It's not necessary. Okay, let's come back to here and, and, I mean, one line, big deal. This is what confuses most people when it comes to automake. And let me explain what these lines mean. Usually, the first line in the automake AM defines the thing you're building and where it will be installed. In this case, the first part, before the underscore, defines where it will be installed. Bin stands for user bin or user local bin. It depends on this. It's system dependent. Lib would be user lib or user local lib. You could also specify a no inst. One of the things I do later on is I build um, 
I take a set of files, I build a library that I don't need to install. Well, that library is going to be no inst underscore and then the type. In that case, it would be libraries. There's two types that I've listed here, but there are other types include there are other types that work, and they're listed um, in the website specified at the end of the uh, slides. But in this case, in user bin, I'm going to have programs by that name. End time will be installed, should be installed whenever this build is all done in user bin, and it should be an executable program when it's done. If I wanted libraries, I'd probably do lib underscore libraries, which says, in user live, install these static libraries, and it would list the names of them. That's what the first line defines. The second line, or the subsequent lines, will take the particular executable or library that you've specified and specify particular details about that. In this case, end time, which was the executable, and the sources that are associated with end time. I only have one source file listed here. My actual package that's, uh, that I've got in here actually has uh, three different source files. One thing that's very important about this uh, sources line, I think I explained it, yeah. Um, so it's the files that belong to the build. And something that's very important, the, the sources line should also contain header files that are associated with this particular directory. There's a reason for that. Everything that's found on the sources line is going to be included in the make file so that you can create a distribution. You know those nifty little tarballs that people send out? When this is all done, with one command, it will create a tarball for me and test that tarball to make sure it's, uh, that it's correct, that it's built properly. If you forget to put header files in here, it's not going to package your header files for you. Make sure you include every file, that's on any sources that you want in there. There's also other tags that you can include. Um, I, don't, I don't have it listed here. Uh, that says these files belong to this package, but they're not source files. They're text files or readmes or things like that. Other targets you can have are like C flags, which are compile flags, or preprocessor flags. Preprocessor flags being dash I for include, dash capital I for include. Um, the LD add will actually specify for executables libraries that can be linked. Uh, libAd is actually used by libraries linking to other libraries. A little bit different. I'll show you the difference there in a little bit. I think, yeah, okay. So let's go ahead and create that last. Oy, don't do that. Now, so which tool should I run? What order? What should I not? When, sh when should I not run a tool? Are we any closer to enlightenment? I'm looking at a lot of. Well, let's go ahead and make that last. Yeah, please go ahead. Autoscan does not create any make files. Autoscan only creates the two files, uh, the log file and the configure.scan. It doesn't. It doesn't actually. It's not responsible for make files at all. It's not its job. 
the auto make is is what will do that for you, but you have to manually create the make file the make file .am files. So let's go ahead and create this one. This one's going to have bin programs. Oop, might want to actually remember I'm in VI here. Is end time. End time sources is equal to, and I had end time dot c, end time ui dot c, and end time ui dot h. I've seen um, an example here to include underscore headers. Okay. Yes. Is that uh, just a, another way to do the same thing? Or so, so include headers is actually specifying that include files or something that's going to go in the Etsy include directory, and these are header files that are going to go there. So include headers, and then it lists a list of headers in it. That line would be is useful for when you're building libraries. If you're building libraries and you want to make sure header files, but it doesn't replace putting headers in the source sources line. Sources still is necessary. Headers are necessary in the sources line in order to package them properly. That's a good question, though. I appreciate that. One more question? Yes, please. Um, last time I studied this in earnest, um, I noticed that all of the available documentation I could find was like five years out of date. Right. Like the auto tool book, you know, mm -hmm. which is really, it looks like it's really well written, but it just seems like a lot of the information has changed. And I'm just wondering if you do know of a good reference online. I, I've got a couple of links at the end of this that are really good. Most of my presentation, I, I will readily admit that I am plagiarizing from some of the best. I'm standing on the shoulder of a really, really incredible presentation generated uh, from, I forget the university now. Anyway, I'll, I'll, when we get to it, I'll show it. Very good. goes into much greater depth than I do within this hour-long presentation. I highly recommend if you use auto tools to go through it. Um, it spends like 30 slides just explaining the M4 macro language. Okay. So let's go ahead and write that. At this point, I've got the auto scan log, which was use, useless to me, configure.hc. This is the old make file. It hasn't been it hasn't been touched since I started this. I could probably delete it. It will get overwritten whenever it gets to it. The make file am, which I created. So really, these are the two primary files: the configure.hc and the make file am. That's used by autoconf and automake. And then here's my source files, and then the automake here. So out of the autoconf, automake, um, AC, AC local, all those, really what do you run? Well, we're very lucky in that somebody figured out that this was confusing as heck, and maybe somebody should write a tool to run all the tools. It's called autoreconf. It's a godsend. Autoreconf will take those three files, just those three files, and generate your whole configure script for you. Everything's done at that point. You don't have to worry about which tools are run. It'll take care of all of that for you. It'll run them in the proper order. The first time you run it, you want to run it with dash i, or I think it's dash dash install. 
it will create necessary files. Otherwise, you're going to get error messages. Error messages that basically say, I'm sorry, I don't see that file, I can't continue. Um, auto you should run auto reconf every time the configure AC changes or make file AM changes. Okay? If you've already gone through the configure step, dot slash configure, and it's built to make files, you don't have to worry about running auto reconf at that point. The make files can tell if their parent, makefileam, has changed and will rebuild themselves. And these guys got everything in order here. If you really want to see how everything's going, do a dash V. And it shows you each of the commands, the output of each of the commands. You can actually see which tools you need to run in which order. It's actually quite educational. Or you can do what I'm going to do and just do autoreconf-i. Let's see if I screwed it up. No errors. I think I'm successful. But this is where it gets really complicated. It created a lot of files for me. Created AC local and 4 automate cache. Um, it, it created configure HN. There's my configure script. Depcomp install shell. Um, the make file hasn't changed yet, but it created a make file in. Same thing here, created a make file in. And you can tell that uh, here's my make file AM at 16 bytes. That was a subders. It's definitely much more complicated at this point in make file in. There's a lot of data put in there. Well, at this time, it's time to do the dot slash configure. And if you watch the dot slash configure, now you'll see. There's your C compiler. Um, let's see, where? Uh, there's grep. I'm looking for. I probably have to go up. I think it passed by it. <coughs> oh, I'll see it. It's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, oh, there it is. Yeah. Checking for a net screen in the LN curses. Yes, it found it. So all that's been put in there, I should now be able to type make, and it creates my program for me. Now without all of the explanation that I put into it, creating those files, making, modifying basically three lines, actually no, four lines, four lines in the uh, config.ac, creating two files that has three more lines, I've created the whole system here. That includes building, includes cleaning. Go ahead and make. It includes the make install, which I'm not going to run at this time. Actually, no, I'm going to. Make install. And you can see that it knows that it needs to put into user local bin my end time program. I can specify with the prefix command somewhere else. Maybe I want to put it in my home directory. All of that's made available to me at this point. This is the real. So at this, uh, this uh, this is the real key here, though. Oh, I wanted to show you. My make file now is substantially larger than it was before. There is a special make. Um, I think it's this check. Yeah, discheck. Discheck is a special make command that will create your tarball for you 
and then verify that that tarball works. Goes through and configures it. Checks it, builds the tarball, and tells you at the end, there's your tarball. That was the name of the package we created, and there's the version that was in the AC and net. So the tarball will only have things that should be in source control? That's right. I get, I get a little mixed up about which things... So what what this tarball what this tarball is is this is everything that's necessary to actually build the project somewhere else. There are some extra files in here. It, I don't know why it includes these things. It doesn't need the make file AMs. Make file AM there. Um, make file AM there. Doesn't need those. Um, obviously, it didn't create the AC local. Oh, it did create copy the configure AC. Those three files aren't necessary anymore. They could be, yes. They might want to change those and regenerate these configure files. This is all that is necessary to build your project anywhere. I can put this on. I should be able to copy this to a mainframe now with running Linux and be able to build it successfully. Um, I should be able to actually take this to, it, because it's a tarball, I should be able to put on a Slackware system and have it build properly. It doesn't matter where it goes now. It's, it's a proper build system, and it should look for everything that it needs. It should find everything that it needs at this point. Yes? How did it determine that GCC or was the appropriate compiler to compile these sources? One of the things it does, um, when it builds the configure, and we'll scroll back up, is it actually runs through several... Um, compilers. So right, right here it says it's checking for GCC. It finds it right off the bat. But if GCC wasn't in there, it would have failed and gone on to another compiler. And it checks for half a dozen different compiler names. I should have phrased my question differently. If okay. I know that I'm not compiling Java or Fortran or whatever. Oh, it doesn't know. So, yeah, how does it, how does it know whether it's compiling Fortran or Java? It doesn't. The configure.ac file really is just checking for tools to see if tools are available. Whether or not it's compiling using GCC or Fortran depends on the, the makefile.ams. The makefile.ams, whenever you specify a .c file, the makefile knows that that's a C file program and it's going to compile it appropriately. If it finds Fortran files, which are, which are prefix.f, I believe, it knows that it needs to build Fortran files. If it's Java, um, I'm not certain if any tools exist to build Java. Probably you should be working with Ant at that point. I don't know if Makefiles has accommodation, or at least within the GNU Auto Tools for Java. I don't know if Stallman considers it worthy of his attention. <laughs> anyway, but uh, that is, yeah, it will go through and... For whatever tools you've created, it's going to put macros into the make file. If you're checking for C++, it's going to use C++ macros um, in the make file. Okay. How close are we? Ooh, got five minutes. I don't know if I can do this fast enough. I do, let's, I'm going to do something really quick, though, just to show you how easy it is. One of the things, this obviously has been divided up. 
so that there is a main executable, but these are su these are support areas, and I the the UI files are support files. I can actually create a library of those. So I'm going to create a live directory and move. Um, I not, oh no, I'm not. And here I'm going to create a lib. I'm going to move from source end time UI files into lib. Inside lib, I'm going to go ahead. Oh, I, I copied an extra file in there. I'm going to go ahead and create a make file am. In this case, I'm going to do no inst. Yeah, you're probably right. Lib, lib should be a binary directory more than anything. I'm just I'm going to create a lib directory as my source code, but you're right. So no inst um, libraries. And I'm going to call this lib and time ui.a. Now, whenever lib and time ui. Now, for any character that's not an underscore, you need to replace it with, a, with an underscore. If it's an alphanumeric character or an underscore, it can be in there. Other things need to be replaced with an under, underscore for these, uh, for these particular tags. Sources equals um, end time ui.c and time ui.h. And that's all I need in there for that make file to create um, the library. I do need to change this make file am so that the lib directories in there before source and I need to change my configure AC the only line only part I need to change in my configure AC is in here so that the lib make file is created Now I haven't done anything in the uh, in the source directory. If I do make clean right now, it's going to it's actually going to uh, rebuild everything for me. Uh, oh, there is one other thing that I need to include here. Because I'm building a static library, it needs the ranlib macro defined, and that's not been defined so far. And it tells me I need to add acprog ranlib. To this. This is actually an error that makes sense. If I go to configure AC, go up here to the prog section, just type AC prog ranlib, and that's going to allow me to build a static library. I forgot to make that change. You know, I'm going to do it this way. Auto recomp dash i. 
that should rebuild everything that needs to be rebuilt. Oh, that's right. I forgot to change my source make file to get rid of these guys. I don't need. I did add it to the subders. Don't you need a lib add or something like that? I do need a lib add to this. An LD add is actually what I need. Uh, oh, that's slash config. You know, I'm going to add that. So in the source make file.am, just get that in there right now. Because I am now using a static library for end time, I need to do end time LD add is equal to go back a directory in lib and it is lib end time ui.a ld add just specifies where that static where, where the static what static library should be found and we're going to auto recomp you can use dash i over and over again it won't hurt anything. Oh. This is my problem right here. It's still looking for, uh, for my sanity check. It's looking for my sanity check telling me there should be a UI in that source directory. No, there's not. Oh, it should be in time.c. Get it right eventually. Like I said, there's a high wire act here. There it goes. Did I mess up here? Oh, yes. Nope. Wrong. One more. There's an end there's an end time CPP flags where I need to specify my dash include because there's a header file now in a different directory. source directory and then time program and there it is so now that I'm all done with that just to make disk check
create it all for me, and I can make this tarball go out. Now it's creating a library. I can make this library um, uh, dynamic very simple. And my slides actually detail that, but I don't have time to go into that right now. Um, this is what I just did for um, the library, so that you know. There's the LD add and CPP file. See, if I followed my slides, I would have done this faster. If you want to make it dynamic, really simple. You change it from libraries to LT libraries. You add the LA extension for dynamic libraries. And you, of course, change that to match the new file name. And then you LD add the LA file. And it will link to a static library. It will actually install this library for you and the executable. Uh, my slides are out on the uh, 2008 uh, Utah Open Source Co Conference website under this particular thing. And these really recommend uh, going to this site and playing with that if you want to learn more. That's a good question. Maybe I should send out the. Maybe I should put them. I don't think I can post those files. Um, Send me an email. I think my email is on there. Send me an email if you want the end time source code, and I'd be happy to send it. I don't think there's a better way to do it at this point. Somebody needs to talk to Clint about that. Any questions? Thank you very much.